Yo, what is going on everyone? My name is Nick or The Notorious Fantasy and in today's video, we're going to be going in depth into my week number 14 wide receiver start or sit decisions for the 2023 fantasy football season. Inside of today's video, we're going to be going in depth through every single matchup from Thursday Night Football all the way up until the doubleheader on Monday Night Football, telling you guys whether I would start or sit the wide receivers in all of those games. But before we could get on into things, I would like to ask that if you guys are new to the channel and you do end up enjoying today's video that you please make sure to hit that subscribe button down below and while you're down there whether you are new to the channel or not please make sure that you do leave a like on today's video it would help me out a ton if you want to follow me on twitter or x please do so at notorious fntsy so without further ado let's get into my week 14 wide receiver start or sit decisions for the 2023 fantasy football season we begin with a very exciting Thursday night football matchup between two juggernaut offenses in the AFC, the New England Patriots at the Pittsburgh Steelers. Obviously, that was all sarcastic as these are two offenses that you might be better off watching paint dry than watching them play on the gridiron. For the Patriots, Demario Douglas did miss last week against the Chargers due to a concussion that he suffered in Week 12 in MetLife against the Giants. This season, ever since he did become the wide receiver one in New England. He has seen seven or more targets in four straight weeks. He is going to continue to finish somewhere in the range of wide receiver 24 through 36 every single week. Now, he does have limited upside because the fact that Bailey Zappi can't hit the broad side of a barn with a football, and if they magically decided to go with Mac Jones instead, it's not like things would get a lot better. But Douglas is a very safe option every single week because you know the volume is going to be there and you know he's going to have a decent game. Again, if you're searching for pure upside, then you probably shouldn't be starting to Mario Douglas. But if you're looking for a safety net, a metaphorical condom to wrap over your team, I think Demario Douglas is perfect for that even up against the Steelers defense. Devontae Parker got fed like he was on my 600-pound life last week up against the Chargers with nine targets for four receptions and 64 yards assuming that Douglas is back because again that isn't necessarily a guarantee there is no reason to play Devontae Parker and guess what even if the Mario Douglas ends up missing I'm still not starting Devontae Parker Juju Smith-Schuster TikTok boy has been straight up ass this season and there's no need to talk about him I don't even think people that are in 32 team fantasy football leagues have Juju Smith-Schuster on their team Deontay Johnson and ended up being someone that a lot of people were talking about on Twitter last week and that was because up against the Arizona Cardinals the Steelers got hit with a bunch of haymakers right Kyler Murray was digging them a grave and Deontay Johnson scores late in the game and this is not to cut the deficit to seven to three to ten like the game's basically already over and Deontay Johnson is hitting the fucking mambo number five he's hitting the cha-cha slide in the end zone and people get mad about that because you're not supposed to celebrate when you're down by a gazillion points right I get it but at the end of the day if you're Deontay Johnson a guy who never really scores I'm fine with him hitting the dance now I get why people will be mad but again Deontay Johnson isn't someone that's in the end zone every single week so you might as well let the guy celebrate with kiss and titties Mitchell Trubisky under center I expect an okay game out of Deontay Johnson he is a fringe start he I do kind of like him slightly less if I'm being honest with you than Demario Douglas he's another guy that should be fine due to the amount of volume he gets the finish as a top 32 guy but again neither Demario Douglas or Deontay Johnson are very exciting this week now George Pickens was the wide receiver 30 last week against the Cardinals with four receptions on five targets for 86 yards with that said prior to that game he fell outside the top 40 at the wide receiver position in five straight games Pickens to me is too volatile to start weekly as we know that he's not going to receive the same amount of volume that Deontay Johnson does to make up for it so to me he's a clear sit Allen Robinson you're not starting the wide receiver three on a Mitchell Trubisky led offense in the year 2023 so he is an obvious sit we move to the Sunday slate of things with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Atlanta Falcons and the only wide receiver I like in this game is Tampa Bay Bucks wide receiver Mike Evans who has been a back-to-back Michael Jordan 96-97 top seven wide receiver last week he went against the Panthers he had seven receptions on 12 targets for 162 yards and a touchdown he now 
now has scored at least one touchdown in four straight games and has 10 total touchdowns on the season in 12 games. Mike Evans rips off yet another thousand yard season every single year he has been in the NFL he has been a thousand yard wide receiver so while a lot of people were nervous to draft Mike Evans because of Baker Mayfield I told everyone in the summer that Mike Evans was putting up huge numbers with guys like Johnny Manziel with guys like Jameis Winston Ryan Fitzpatrick he did it with the GOAT Tom Brady he did it when Tom Brady had a downward spiral last season the guy Prince thousand yard seasons he is a hall of fame wide receiver and a lot of people were nervous to draft him told you guys he was going to be good and guess what your boy nick was right evans is at this point to me 100% a must start wide receiver baker just seems to throw a much tighter spiral when the ball needs to go to mike evans you gotta rock with him as a top 10 wide out this week now chris godwin was a guy that last week i listed as a start but it was only because there were so many teams on by and i did kind of like the panthers matchup now last week was his first touchdown in weeks for godwin he had three targets for zero receptions as well as one rush for 19 yards and a touchdown godwin luck boxing into a touchdown in the second half of a game up against a garbage ass panthers team does not change my opinion on chris godwin he is what he has been all season a wide receiver that if you watch the game he passes the eye test he still looks like the old chris godwin but he just isn't putting up the numbers mike evans is the clear number one wide receiver on the team and godwin has only had two top 20 wide receiver games all season he's a clear sit for me I say this every week about Trey Palmer so I apologize if I sound like a broken record but Palmer is good enough to be start worthy in the future if you teleported him onto a different team that didn't have Godwin Evans and Rashad White then Trey Palmer would probably be having a nice feast right now but given the fact that he's on the Bucks, he is a sit Drizzy Drake London for the Falcons I'm a huge fan of him but with how incompetent this offense is I am just staying far away from London what I'd be shocked if he had a solid game in this matchup no not at all but I just really do not think I can do it I just cannot start him he is too boom or bust at this point in the season to trust him with a dumbass of a quarterback in Desmond Ritter and an absolute snooge snooge stooge in Arthur Smith as the head coach so Drake London no way he's coming near my lineup Van Jefferson, Kaderil Hodge, if I can't start a guy as skilled as London because this team sucks more cock than Riley Reed, I would not touch Jefferson with a 10-foot pole, and the same thing can be said about Kaderil Hodge. Next up, we move to the Detroit Lions at the Chicago Bears. Now, I will warn you right now that there's a chance that this game could be a little bit wet. There's a chance of serious rain as well as wind in this game, which is something to monitor as the week goes along. I am not a meteorologist I'm not a fucking weatherman here so I'm not going to sit here and pretend to predict the weather but if it is very windy come Sunday there might be reasons to get a little bit more nervous about these guys you're still going to start them but they might fall down the rankings so Monroe St. Brown had a semi down game last week against the Saints with two receptions on six targets for 49 yards and a touchdown but at the end of the day Monroe St. Brown has been one of the most consistent wide receivers in fantasy football this season he's currently the wide receiver seven on the year so I will definitely be fully confident in him here up against a not so hot Chicago Bears defense I think this will be a big game a huge game out of Amon Ra the sun god St. Brown Jameson Williams scored a touchdown last week on his one carry for 19 yards he also had a reception for 11 yards now I still still do strongly believe that Jameson Williams has the skills to pay the bills as the kids would say but at the end of the day getting three targets three total touches every single week even in an elite offense like the Detroit Lions just doesn't cut it enough for me to want to start him Josh Reynolds is another guy that will see about three targets a game just like J-Mo it just isn't good enough for me to consider starting him even up against the Bears defense speaking of the Bears we got wiki wiki DJ Moore as a start now Justin Fields coming back has essentially given DJ Moore a brand new life Moore has been resurrected Undertaker style over over the last two games and even in a game that was kind of a snooze fest last time out up against the Minnesota Vikings in an absolutely atrocious 
primetime game, I think this is going to be another top 10 game out of DJ Moore. Against the Vikings, he had 11 receptions on 13 targets prior to the bye for 114 yards. Going forward for me, he is a must-start wide receiver, especially up against the Lions defense that looks nothing short of completely limp dick. I know early on the season, they were percolating, they were looking good, but recently, man, this is a defense that is down in the dumps. Darnell, here comes the Mooney with Fields back under center. Anyone not named DJ Moore or Cole Komet have faded away like a shot from Michael Jordan. To me, I know that when we saw Tyson Baygent out there, you know, Darnell Mooney was getting some targets, but... With Justin Fields, it really seems like a funnel offense toward DJ Moore and Cole Komet. So, Moody belongs on the bench, and honestly, in most leagues, he should be on the waiver wire. Tyler Francis Scott Key, the creator of the National Anthem, will see a max three targets in this game. Just don't even really consider starting him. Next up, we move to the Indianapolis Colts at the Cincinnati Bengals. This is a game that I, for one, am very excited to watch because I am hesitant to throw the crown on Jake Browning's head, Biggie Small style, right? Because while he had a masterclass performance, a downright amazing surgical performance against the Jaguars, no one, I mean no one saw this coming. Even Jake Browning's parents probably didn't assume that he would go this hog wild in prime time on Monday Night Football. And if Tyler Boyd didn't think he was Patrick Mahomes and throwing a costly pick directly to the Jaguars defense to put them into the red zone, I don't even think that this game goes to overtime. This was a game where the Bengals appeared to be in the driver's seat and somehow the game ends up going to overtime even with Trevor Lawrence getting hurt. In that game, Jamar Chase had 11 receptions on 12 targets for 149 yards, one shy of 150, and a touchdown. Now, I definitely do think that Jake Browning is going to regress. So I'm not going to get down on my knees, give Browning the Gawk Gawk 9000 special and talk about how Browning is this next elite quarterback in the NFL, this, that, and the other thing, because I know some people are very quick to react to one game and start feeling like, hallelujah, we got Josh Dobbs 2.0, this, that, and the other thing. Now, again, I'm not trying to tell you that Jake Browning is dog shit because every single start that Browning has got ever since Joe Burrow got hurt, he's looked decent, right? But I just don't think he's as good as he was up against the Jaguars. And it would be very hard for me to sit chase against a defense that I believe that he could bend over a table. So this game does potentially have the matchup, the making of, you smell that, a very high scoring potential matchup. I am obviously going to be starting Jamar Chase again. There are negatives to be thrown at Jamar Chase, basically all about Jake Browning, but it was very evident that Jake Browning wants to feed Jamar Chase. Browning has other talented receivers to throw it to, like T. Higgins, but he just continues to feed Jamar Chase. Speaking of T, he, Higgins, returned from injury that knocked him out the prior three games. Last week, he had three receptions on three targets for 36 yards, and even with Browning looking downright incredible, he was looking surgical, like he could have been in Grey's Anatomy, I would rather just assume that Browning's going to continue to force-feed the rock to Chase and almost leave Higgins kind of out to dry. I just can't start him right now. Tyler Boyd, aside from throwing an egregious interception directly to the fucking defense, that we talked about with Jamar Chase. Boyd had a solid game with five receptions on seven targets for 37 yards. With all that said, I just don't really see any reason to start Boyd when Higgins can just suck those targets all right back like he's Kirby. So I'm going to go ahead and sit Tyler Boyd. For the Indianapolis Colts, Michael Pittman has transformed himself ever since Anthony Richardson got hurt into one of the most reliable wide receivers in the entire NFL for fantasy football. Pittman was downright incredible last week against the Titans... He laid a pipe for that ass like he was a plumber. 11 receptions on 16 targets for 105 yards and a score, which marks back-to-back -back weeks with 10 or more receptions and over 100 yards. The Bengals' defense is far from a wet dream matchup, but I will still have to rank Pittman inside the top 10 because he very clearly deserves it. Josh Downs, I do think some people argue that Downs is a start, and I do understand that argument. He just hasn't been a top 32 wide receiver since week 8, and it's week number 14 right now. The volume should be there, but honestly, I am even unsure about how many targets he's gonna see. He just got five last week. Like, is that greatly going to 
increased with kind of some newfound love for Alec Pierce. As of right now, I want to wait to see him ball out before I just jam him back into my lineups. Alec Pierce showed off his grit on Sunday with three receptions on six targets for 100 yards. To me, this is one of those classic scenarios we talk about all season, right? Like, the broken clock is right twice a day. A blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while, right? Pierce hasn't scored over eight points aside from last week all season, so I think he will go back to being his older self this week. Next up, we move to the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Cleveland Browns, another game where I got to be weatherman Nick and tell you that Likely rain showers here and 23 mile an hour winds. Going to be very fun. Cool Joe Flacco versus CJ Beathard. Now, Calvin Ridley is the only wide receiver I will list as a start in this game. Now, last week, despite the fact that Christian Kirk got knocked out of that game very early in their matchup against the Bengals, Calvin Ridley pulled a John Cena because you couldn't see him, right? He was invisible. Four receptions on eight targets for 26 yards with three carries for seven yards. I do think without Kirk this week, we should see a much stronger performance against the Browns, but I can't really talk him up so highly because this could be a rough spot for CJ meet hard, Beth hard here against the Browns, especially if the wind is going crazy. So if we get to Sunday, like, okay, there's going to be crazy winds, then Ridley might honestly drop out of being a start. Zay Jones had eight targets for five catches with 78 yards. If Trevor Lawrence was starting this week without Christian Kirk, I would debate starting Jones. But without T-Law, I believe Zay Jones is best left on your bench, especially up against a Browns defense that is rock hard. Parker Washington, in a game where Washington saw his first ever NFL catch, He also scored his first ever touchdown, six receptions on six targets for 61 yards with that touchdown, which was very cool to see. But ultimately, I expect him to take the back seat, you know, to have that train kind of come to a stop this week against the Browns. For the Browns, Elijah Moore had four receptions on 12 targets for 83 yards last week, which is now the second week in a row where he's gotten nine or more targets. I do think Moore is interesting as he is close to being a start for me this week, but at the end of the day, even without most likely Amari Cooper, I just don't have enough trust in the Browns quarterback situation to trust him. Amari Cooper exited Sunday's game with a head injury. I would say that, again, I'm as much of a doctor as Johnny Sins, but I don't really think he's going to end up playing, which should lead to more work for Mr. Moore, and he will be the wide receiver one. Even if Cooper is able to return on Sunday, I would rather just sit him. Cedric Tillman has seen an uptick of targets over the last two weeks, but frankly, he just isn't very good, so I would sit him. Next up, we got game number six here, the Carolina Panthers at the New Orleans Saints. But before we break down this game in depth at the wide receiver position, as well as the rest of the games up until the doubleheader on Monday Night Football at the wide receiver position, I would like to ask that if you guys are new to the channel and you do end up enjoying today's video, then please make sure to hit that subscribe button down below. Whether you are new to the channel or not, please make sure you leave a like on today's video. It would help me out a ton. And I would like to give you guys a quick word for our friends and our sponsor over at underdog fantasy underdog fantasy is the best place to play nfl pick'em in the whole entire universe and today underdog fantasy has a great offer for you guys that we'll be talking about in just a couple of seconds but first i want to explain how the underdog pick'em works so you're gonna have to select a minimum of two players from at least two different teams in today's version of this we'll be talking about the lions at the bears game now there's gonna be a lot more options to choose from as the week goes along but this video is being recorded on monday night early tuesday morning so that you guys can watch it when you're watching it so we're gonna have to go ahead and look at the offerings that they have right now so we're gonna go ahead and go with david montgomery higher than 68 and a half rushing yards in this spot as well as dj Moore higher than 63 and a half receiving yards i think this will be a very high scoring game i think montgomery should easily be able to get higher than that number and i believe with justin fields back under center with him looking as good as he's looked dj Moore should be able to have a very solid game against a pretty bad lions defense so if both of these hit we'll get three times our entry fee if you want to do three picks it's six times four picks is ten times 
times, and five picks is 20 times your entry fee. All of the picks, of course, have to hit if you live in one of the states on your screen right now, and you are new to Underdog and use promo code Notorious, you'll get a first match deposit bonus up to $100. You deposit $100, they give you an additional $150, additional $50, $10, and additional $10. The minimum deposit on Underdog is $10. If you have a gambling problem, please make sure that you call 1-800-GAMBLER. Back on into things here, Panthers at Saints. Now, Chris Olave definitely sees a boost with the check down God Derek Carr injured. Obviously, we don't root for injuries, but we have to talk about things after an injury happens. We've talked about Browning with, you know, losing Burrow, CJ Beathard without Trevor Lawrence, right? So that's just kind of how the cookie crumbles, you know, Players are going to get hurt, and it sucks, obviously. No one should be rooting for injuries. Very sad, especially for a guy like Trevor Lawrence, who has the Jags on the up and up, and they easily could have been the number one seed in the AFC after last night's game. So with famous Jameis Winston under center, I think the upside, the ceiling of Chris Olave increases greatly because Jameis Winston does one of those things where he says, fuck it. Chris Olave out there somewhere. Now, he's going to throw that sometimes. It's going to be a pick six. It's going to be a pick. Sometimes it's going to bounce off the corner's hands, bounce off Olave's hands, hit the corner's hands like they're playing fucking volleyball, and then Chris Olave catches it, right? Chris Olave is a very fun player now with Jameis Winston under center. Olave has had over 110 yards in back-to-back weeks, and I expect Chris Olave to do the exact same thing up against the Panthers' defense. Rashid Shahid Amshathid missed last week against the Lions with a thigh injury. If he does play, he will be the wide receiver too, since Michael Thomas is out. If you guys are on Twitter, you follow you follow Michael Thomas, or X, which is called now, Oh my God, Michael Thomas was firing fucking shots, cannon shots, daggers at Derek Carr during that game, basically saying that Derek Carr sucks ass, which was kind of funny. I feel like the upside that Shahid possesses with Jameis under center is great, right? I definitely can recognize that, but we know how Shahid is. There's going to be every couple of weeks... He pulls that rabbit out the hat, right? He has that huge game, but then after that, he goes silent like the night where Santa Claus comes. So ultimately, Rashid Shahid's a sit. ATAT Perry for the Saints was the wide receiver two last week for them and didn't do much. So he's clearly a sit this week, whether or not Shahid comes back or not. Adam Thielen is quickly plummeting down my weekly rankings. Earlier on in the season, he felt like a stone-cold lock, a guarantee to be a top 12 wide receiver every single week. But as we sit right now in week 14, he is not even a lock to finish as a top 32 wide receiver. This week, Thielen is a low-end wide receiver three, since I just can't trust him and this offense. Now, the Panthers offense definitely looked better last week with Frank Reich gone, and hopefully this is able to get Thielen back to his old ways, back to his former glory. But again, I am not going to sit here and pretend like it's a guarantee. Because it isn't. Jonathan Mingo, which is 100% a porn star game, I made that joke all offseason, has had pretty solid back-to-back performances, but with Bryce Young being so rough... This season, to me, there's really no reason to overthink things, start galaxy-braining and playing any receiver on the Panthers, not named Thielen. And again, even with Thielen, if he shits the bed, he's just going to become a sit going forward. DJ Chark, baby Chark, has looked fine on limited work, but again, there's no reason to start any of these ancillary pieces on the Panthers' offense. Next up, we move to the Houston Texans at the New York Jumbo Jets. Now, the Jets today... Cut Tim Boyle, Aaron Rodgers probably distressed right now, and brought in Brett gripping it and ripping it of the LA Rams. I do still believe that Zach Wilson starts on Sunday, but I don't think that's a guarantee as of right now. And if Zach Wilson plays, I know we make fun of Zach Wilson all the time, but he is light years to infinity and beyond. Shout out Buzz Lightyear, better than the rest of the quarterbacks they got, which would help out George I almost said George Washington because I was thinking GW Garrett Wilson. He is far from an ideal start against the Texans, but he should be a high-end wide receiver three with wide receiver two upside due to the amount of volume he should get. Al Lazard and Xavier Gibson are just straight-up ass. They are so bad. 
that I don't even want to talk about them too much. So they're both sits. You already knew that already. If you clicked on today's video thinking I was going to give the Gawk Gawk 9000 to Al Lazard, you're probably smoking on some of that good stuff. Nico Cousin, let's go bowling. Collins has been a top five wide receiver in back-to-back -back weeks. Even without Dell, there is reason to worry, though, this week because the matchup up against the Jets, it's not a red panty night for Collins, right? This is a tough spot. Now, obviously, he could still have a great game, right? CJ Stroud is on fire, NBA Jam style. This is an offense that is humming. So I'm not saying that you need to sit Collins, but I'm saying that, hey, you might want to calm down a little bit if you're trying to rank him like top five, top eight. I think I'm still going to have him ranked close to the top 12, top 14. So he's definitely still a must start without Tank Dell. But again, I'm not going to sit here and just lie to you and tell you that Nico Collins is matchup proof because I don't think he necessarily is, especially up against the fucking Jets. Noah Brown, I think the Texans here, if they're playing... The Raiders, they're playing some other defense. Then I think Noah Brown probably is listed as a start. But against the Jets, I think we should be sitting Brown, who used his invisibility cloak Harry Potter style last week with two targets for zero receptions. I think going forward, Brown has that league winning upside without Tank Dell. But because the matchup, I would avoid him this week. Robert Woods, Bobby Trees should see an increase in targets without Dell. But besides that, there's really no reason to fire him up. Next up, we got the LA Rams at the Baltimore Ravens. This is another game where the wind could play a factor. Again, just keep monitoring things up until Sunday. We'll talk about it on the Sunday morning live stream, which goes live at around 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time prior to the 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time kickoff. If you want to make sure that you don't miss those streams, make sure you click the notification bell down below after you subscribe. And of course, if you haven't hit the like button already, I try not to be some asshole that's just begging on my knees for a like. But if you do enjoy, it's free. Just hit the like button. I won't waste too much time on it, but it does genuinely help me out a ton. Make sure you check out the Running Back Starts It video after this one if you haven't watched it already. So, for the Rams, this might genuinely sound crazy, and I think people who are playing pay, are paying close attention to the Rams would realize this, but, you know, if you're not someone that's watching the Rams offense all the time, if you're not, like, box score studying the Rams, saying this might sound a little bit loco, a little crazy, but between Cup and Puka, I actually trust Puka Nakua more. Two of his last three games, he's been a top 12 wide receiver, and with Stafford looking better, I think the... Ceiling is pretty high for Puka Nakua, and it was even more positive that he balled out, showed out up against a stout Browns defense last week. Now, he did end up getting banged up in that game. It was looking like on Twitter, everyone's panicking. This looks very, very serious, and then he comes back into the game, so obviously something to monitor, but he should be good to go for Sunday. Last week, he had seven targets for over 100 yards with two carries for 33 yards and a touchdown. Against the Ravens' defense, I definitely don't expect another top 12 game, but it is definitely possible. He is a mid-range wide receiver, too, for me. Like I said with Koopa, when it, Koopa? Koopa Troopa? When it comes to Cooper Cup, like I said with Puka, crazy names, Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua, I am definitely more confident in Nakua compared to Cup. Now, again, this isn't to slander Cooper Cup. I'm not here to tell you that Cooper Cup is washed, this, that, or the other thing, because I don't think that, right? Cup did perform last week as the wide receiver 18 with six receptions for 39 yards and a touchdown. Though the prior five games before that, he fell outside the top 40 wide receivers every single week, which definitely does make me nervous. Cup is a middle-of-the-road wide receiver three. We know how great he is, right? We know the talent is there. But again, there are a lot of red flags when it comes to Cooper Cup, especially with the matchup up against the Ravens. 2-2 Atwell is good enough to ball when either Cooper Cup or Puka Nakua are out. Knock on wood, we don't root for injuries, but they're both healthy right now, so there's no need to start him. For the Ravens, Zay Flowers finished on top of the mountain. Kilimanjaro, last time out up against the LA Chargers on prime time, scoring two touchdowns as the wide receiver six. Flowers is definitely the quintessential boom or bust player for fantasy football, so he falls in the wide receiver three range, right? If you're hunting for upside, then you might want to take that shot on Zay Flowers. Say, for instance, you need to win your week to get in the playoffs. You need to win to get that bye, right? You think your opponent might bitch slap you, Will Smith style, right? 
then maybe you want to start Zay Flowers. But if you're looking at a more safe approach, then Zay Flowers would probably want to be on your bench because, again, he fluctuates his points so heavily week in and week out. Odell Beckham Jr. is going to be a sit. Now, he has shown some flashes this season, and I do think that in better matchups... I would probably say that you should start him. But up against a criminally underrated Rams defense, I would let him chill on my bench. Though I wouldn't be shocked if he scored since this is a revenge game after all. Rashad Master Bateman has reeked to high heaven this season. Just not enough targets for the guy. And even when he hasn't gotten the targets, it just doesn't feel like he's moving the same as he used to. I don't know if anyone... I mean, he barely gets the ball every game, so you might fucking blink and you miss it. But when he gets the ball, it's like, ah. Oh, that doesn't look like the same Rashad Master Bateman that we're used to. This guy just shouldn't even be rostered at this point in the season, which is kind of sad as a Rashad Bateman truther. Next up, we got the cold like Minnesota Vikings at the Las Vegas Raiders in Viva Las Vegas. Now, Jefferson should be back this week following his injury in week five. So it feels like the first time in forever that we get to play Justin Jefferson, assuming he does play. Now, again, we talk about this a lot. Making an assumption could make an ass out of you and me, so I'm not saying it's a guarantee, but I do think he plays. Now, frankly, I don't give a damn if he's on a peg leg like Patchy the Pirate. I don't care if he needs to fucking play like Chad Ochocinco where you're playing on three legs, take a Viagra before the game, use his other leg to run, right? That is how confident I am in Justin Jefferson. He is a must-start every single week and could easily be the wide receiver one up against the Raiders. Jordan Addison Ray has been on the struggle bus recently, but with Jefferson back, I expect Addison to be a much more reliable player since he will no longer have to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the number one defensive back on each team. The Raiders matchup is super hot fire for Addison, but again, while I've sung his praises... Justin Tucker style, that guy can sing, if you didn't know that already, but he is just a fringe start because he's been underwhelming, and again, I need him to get his feet wet before I start claiming that he's like a top 24 option. KJ Osborne with Justin Jefferson back, Osborne, who couldn't even really get targets when Jefferson was out, should be back on your waiver wire. For the Raiders, Adams has been underwhelming this season, he still looks like Devontae fucking Adams, right? He still looks good when you watch him run his routes. But, you know, the Raiders just start pretty bad. The Vikings defense also looks much improved in the second half of the season. So my expectations for Adams are set relatively low. He's a low-end wide receiver too for me. The upside is always there since, again, we know he's Devontae Adams. But Aiden O'Connell is so up and down, it just makes me much less likely to be so aggressive in starting Devontae Adams. Jacoby Myers is in that fringe start range, very boom or bust as of recently. Earlier on in the season, this guy was just ripping off amazing games, but recently he's kind of been in a bit of a slumber. I know he performed prior to the bye week up against the Chiefs with six receptions on seven targets for 79 yards and a tug, but frankly, like I said, with Adams, I am untrustworthy of Jacoby due to his quarterback. If things were better at quarterback, Myers would probably be in the top 20, top 24 range every single week. Adams would be ranked much higher, but again, not like Aiden O'Connell sucks donkey cock. He's just not the best. Hunter Renfro has looked a lot better. We've seen a lot more of him because he was literally not used at all when Josh McDaniels was the head coach. But even with slightly more usage, you're not really going to want to be starting Hunter Renfro. Next up, we got the Seattle Seahawks at the San Francisco 49ers. Now, DK Metcalf went full Jeffrey Dahmer mode the way he killed the Cowboys defense last week. It was straight up impressive. Six receptions on eight targets for 134 yards and three fucking touchdowns as the wide receiver won. Last time out against the 49ers on Thanksgiving, you know, we think about the Thanksgiving feast, right? DK Metcalf had fucking ramen noodles for dinner, and instead of the nice soup, someone just took a piss in it, right? Terrible. Wide receiver 70. So I will definitely be cautious with my ranking of Metcalf. He's a low-end wide receiver too. I fully acknowledge that he might bust pause all over us, right? He might absolutely bukake our team, but with how good he's looked, the upside's definitely there. Tyler Lockett in my pocket skirt is a fringe start, and every single week we say the exact same thing about him. He is very boom or bust, much more so compared to Metcalf. 
Metcalf this season has been a lot more kind of consistent because when he has that bad game, he doesn't completely sink your battleship, right? He doesn't completely fuck you over. Whereas Lockett, he might be the wide receiver five one week and the next week he's the wide receiver 97, right? It really is that fluctuation. There's very, 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 very much so. Hopefully that made sense. Like there's a lot of fluctuation weekly. Last week against Dallas and Jerry's World, he was the wide receiver 39 with five receptions on eight targets for 47 yards. Again, this matchup is gross. This matchup is very, very scary. So he's a fringe start at best. And for most teams, he's probably a sit. Jackson Smith and the Jigba had 11 targets last week for seven receptions with 62 yards as well as a touchdown that got called back. This week against the 49ers, I expect regression out of Smith. But if he is able to keep up with the same amount of targets weekly, then I would start to get excited about JSN as a potential start. For the 49ers, we just talked about how how uh, DK Metcalf had that great game, right? Debo has been on fire like the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory. If anyone gets that, that's hilarious. Now, again, Nick, you can't say your joke's hilarious. That makes it not funny. I was literally thinking earlier, I was like, I have to write this down because I thought of what I need to say when a player was on fire. And I was like, the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory. I don't know why that came into my mind, but it was hilarious. So I was like, okay, we need to say it, obviously. RIP to all the people that worked in the Triangle Shirtwaist Factory. But anyone that's a history buff, anyone that paid attention during high school, middle school, and history, you know what that was. I'm a history major, so sometimes I'm just going to start throwing random ass things that probably 1% of you guys would get into the videos. Debo has been a top 10 wide receiver in back-to-back -back games, and not only was I the major, I graduated with a history degree, and I have an American Studies minor. Debo has been a top 10 wide receiver in back-to-back -back games and absolutely pounded the Eagles into submission last week with Philly going 4-for-4 four four, like he was at Wendy's for 116 yards with three carries for 22 yards and not one, not two, but three touchdowns as the wide receiver too. Going forward, I believe that Debo is now a must-start wide receiver. He has completely ditched the boom-or-bust narrative that has plagued him his entire career, and I'm starting him with a ton of confidence. Brandon Ayuk has fallen off a little bit as of recently for me, but it's not something I'm too really worried about, a boot, if I'm being honest with you. He has still scored in four straight games and is a safe bet to be at the very least a top 20 or 24 wide receiver. He is a high-end wide receiver for me this week, high-end wide receiver too. You know, Debo is going to be closer to the wide receiver one range. Ayuk, high-end wide receiver too. Both guys that you're definitely starting. Jawan Jennings is one of those guys that every once in a while will have a huge game due to his speed. He'll get like four targets, four receptions, 180 yards, and two touchdowns. And like I say every week, you will never actually know when to start him, so you're going to sit him. The Buffalo Bills versus the Kansas City Chiefs could be one of the most exciting games of the week because this is a Chiefs team that is down in the dumps. This is a Chiefs team that a lot of people are throwing the fraud narrative onto versus a Bills team that, you know, prior to the bye, it was like, holy fuck, the Bills have the Eagles on the on their tippy toes. The Eagles are on their back foot. The Eagles are getting smacked with the 1-2 Mayweather, and then the Bills lose that game. But again, this Bills team looks way better with Joe Brady as the offensive coordinator compared to Ken Dorsey, and the Chiefs team Looking a little fraudulent. So this could be a huge time to strike for the Buffalo Bills to potentially make that crawl back into the playoffs despite their incredibly tough schedule. Dig bounced back. Dig? Dig Doug? Diggs bounced back prior to the bye after two stinky performances in Week 10 and Week 11. Week 12 in Philly, he had six receptions on 11 targets for 74 yards. We all know Diggs is great, so I don't have to sit here and give him the Gawk Gawk 9000 special. He is a must-start every single week, and this game, if the Chiefs offense does wake up, this could be a very high-scoring game. Gabe Davis is also a start, but Gabe Davis is another one of those guys that we know exactly who Gabe Davis is. He is a super high upside player like Zay Flowers, Tyler Lockett, and the floor is the fucking basement. The floor is that place in the cabin in the woods where it's like underneath where the cabin is, right? And there's all those crazy ass things down there, right? The 
It's like basement number 57, right? It's that low because he could be the wide receiver 125 this week and it wouldn't shock me one bit. He could also be the wide receiver seven and it wouldn't shock me. He is listed as a start due to the immense week winning upside. But if you want to wrap your team up in that Durax, that condom, there is no need to play a guy like Gabe Davis. Shout out to Mike Tyson. Hello. Shakira, Shakira, Shakira is basically just a less trustworthy version of Gabe Davis. Straight up, boom or bust. And if I trust him even less than Gabe Davis, you would want to sit him down. For the Kansas City Chiefs, Rashi Rice has been pretty reliable this season. Now, he didn't start off that way, but for a majority of the season, he has been reliable. Once he was more integrated into the Chiefs offense, back-to-back weeks as a top 24 receiver with nine or more targets in both of those games against a Bills defense that can burnt Eli Apple style, burnt like toast, you would definitely want Rashi Rice starting as a back-end wide receiver too. Then we got the other receivers on the Chiefs. Justin Watson did have the monster performance in week 11 against the Eagles. But outside of that, there's a guy that ranks outside the top 50 at wide receiver every single fucking week. So while the upside is there, because we saw it, probably one of those games again where, you know, a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. So I don't really think Justin Watson's going to do all that. MVS couldn't catch the common cold. There's literally no reason to start him. No reason to talk to him. Talk to him. No reason. If he wants to talk to me, I'll talk to him. I'd love to be friends with an NFL player, but... You know, if, if MVS was my friend, dude, you could be like the fifth, eighth, the eighth, like you could be a practice squad receiver and I would be talking about you as a must start every week, even if you don't start, if you're watching my videos and you want to be my friend. So MVS, if you want to be my friend, I appreciate it. I'll, I'll talk to you, but let's be honest, this guy fucking sucks. So he probably doesn't want to be my friend. Next up, we got the Denver Broncos at the Los Angeles Chargers, the final game before we get into the primetime Sunday night and doubleheader on Monday night football. Is it technically a doubleheader though, if both the games are going on at the same time? Maybe, maybe not. Let me know in the comments. Denver Broncos at the LA Chargers. Despite Russell Wilson looking like Jamarcus Russell last week, Sutton still had two receptions on seven targets for 77 yards and a touchdown, which is now Sutton's ninth game out of 12 games with a touchdown. Against the Chargers defense, I expect Russ to look a whole lot better, and thus Sutton, who is the clear number one receiver on this team to finish inside of the top 24 at the very least, Jerry Judy is just not very involved in this Broncos offense. He's been a guy that I did not really like in the offseason, and I definitely don't like him now after we've kind of just seen him fade into not a relevancy because he still sees targets every week. But the targets are becoming less and less, right? Judy's a guy that coming into the NFL draft was a highly talked about prospect, right? A very clear number one receiver coming into the NFL. You know, Sutton, not Sutton, uh, Judy versus... C.D. Lam was a huge discussion in the draft. And then, obviously, if you're the Cowboys, you're very happy you got Lamb. If you're the Broncos, I mean, I don't think Judy's that bad, but he just hasn't really worked in Denver. I think, genuinely, a change of scenery is needed for Jerry Judy to really blow up. Even against the Chargers defense, there's just zero need to get cute and play Jerry Judy. Marvin Mimsy, Marvin Mims Jr. had seen a boost in targets, giving him around two or three targets a week. He's used to like one or zero. But even with Russ and how he's been cooking this year, you just can't start a guy who is basically guaranteed to get like two or three targets every week. For the Chargers, the Chargers offense was straight up in need of a Viagra on Sunday. They were as limp dick as it could possibly be, and it was honestly hard to watch. If you watch Red Zone, I would tell you I think we saw three plays of that game. I'm not even kidding. If you don't have another TV or you're watching on your phone or something, if you did not have any other way to watch the Chargers game versus the Patriots besides on Red Zone, you literally saw maybe 17 seconds of that game. It was that bad. Keenan Allen had five receptions on nine targets for 57 yards. I can't possibly... Imagine Allen doing this bad again. So he's a must-start every week. I'm not panicking, but there is reason to be a little bit worried because Herbert has not looked the best. I mean, Austin Eckler looks literally terrible. I don't know what the fuck happened. What they're drinking in LA, but it ain't working. So again, while I'm not in full-on DEFCON 1, wee-woo, wee-woo, there is definitely some reason to panic. Quentin Johnston had one of his best games on the season last week. Round of applause for QJ. But at the exact same time, he looked so unimpressive. Like, if you watch the game, he looked like shit. Man, I, 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 I just don't know what to say about Quentin Johnson. 
He's so bad compared to what I thought he would be. Seven receptions, five targets, 52 yards. Until he really shows up and shows me something, you just got to stay away. Jalen Guyton has been the wide receiver three on the team for a while, but that is about all that is good to say about him. Not going to waste my breath and make this video fucking 6,000 years long like the 300 movie. So we're just going to go ahead and move to the next game because we move to... Cause you waited all day for Sunday night. The Philadelphia Eagles at the Dallas Cowboys. An NFC East rivalry matchup for who will be the one seed in the NFC East, I think. Right? Birds got 10 wins. Cowboys got nine, I think. I believe. It'll be a fun one. Eagles? Not so good last week. Cowboys? Very nice. Should be fun. Should be very, very fun. Speaking of the Cowboys, Lamb had a metric fuck ton of targets last week with 17 for 12 receptions, 116 yards, with two carries for 30 rushes, and a touchdown. Lamb has now scored one or more touchdowns in four straight weeks. Against the Eagles, I expect this to be a slugfest, like Sammy Sosa versus Mark McGuire in the summer of 98. C.D. Lamb is a clear must start. It's crazy because early on in the season, Lamb was not so hot, but ever since recently, man, the guy's been downright fantastic. Brandon Cooks has been a top 24 receiver in back-to-back -back weeks with a touchdown in both games. While that is amazing, I still feel cautious when it comes to fully banging the drum here for Cooks because he just keeps getting around four or five targets. And again, while it's good enough to score, is it really good enough to be very reliable? Now, he should be fine this week. There's a clear path towards a touchdown this week, but there's also a clear path towards him being a bust. He's definitely close to the fringe start range of things if not maybe slightly above the fringe start range. Again, not a guy you're like aggressively wanting to start. Michael Gallup, it is honestly starting to feel like Jalen Tolbert is the wide receiver three on the Cowboys, not Gallup. But they both see such little volume that frankly it doesn't matter. I wouldn't advise starting Stonehands Gallup or Jalen Tolbert for the Eagles. Fly, Eagles, fly. Browns was... Not Browns? The Cleveland Browns? A.J. Brown was on a bit of a slump from weeks 11 through 12, but he broke out of it like his name was Andy Dufresne. Eight receptions on 13 targets for 114 yards against the 49ers in a game where the Eagles got absolutely spit-roasted by the San Francisco 49ers. This game will be much closer, and I think that Brown is still a must-start wide receiver. Devontae Smith has been very consistent over the last five weeks as a top 18 wide receiver in every single game, and two straight games with a tug. Going against the Dallas Cowboys defense, I get on paper, this matchup might give you goosebumps like those books you used to read when you were a kid, if you know you know, but I still think Smith is a stone-cold lock to be a top 18 wide receiver this week. Julio Jones and Olamide Zacchaeus operate as the wide receiver 3 and 4 on the team, while the Eagles have been a fly, eye-flying offense. I don't know why the fuck fly, Eagles fly, you know, everything just got stuck right there in my brain. That's what happens when you're recording for minute 49 of the video. Nick, the video's not that long right now because there's edits. Maybe it's actually exactly that long because we edited in the underdog sponsor, but, you know, it is what it is. We've been recording for a while. Sometimes slip-ups are going to happen. Yeah, just uh, don't start Julio Jones or Olamide Zacchaeus. That should have been very clear. Next up, we got the first of two Monday Night Football games, the Lay Titans at the Miami Dolphins, baby. Fins up. Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, must-starts. Against the Titans defense, I expect Tyreek Hill to put those poor bastards in a full Nelson three straight weeks as a top five, top five, top five wide receiver, and he is the wide receiver number one on the year and potentially could end up winning the MVP. I would be more shocked than the guy in the screen painting if Tyreek did not finish as a top five wide receiver. He is a must-start wide receiver every single week. Now, Jalen Waddle is the Robin to Tyreek Hill's Batman. Now, Robin doesn't get the shine, but he's out there putting in work as well. So, I do really think that Waddle should succeed here. Three straight weeks with eight targets, and this feels like a game due to how dog shit the Titans defense is, where both Waddle and Tyreek Hill finish inside the top 12 at the wide receiver position, and Waddle, to me, is a must-start this week. 
Then they've got a bunch of other wide receivers like Braxton Berrios, Cedric Wilson. Braxton is one of the few guys on the Dolphins that any given week is the number three guy on the team. Berrios had only one target, though, in the last three games. No need to start him, even with how great the Dolphins' offense is. Now, DeAndre Hopkins, his season has been a roller coaster ride. And not one of those roller coaster rides where it's just really fast, you know, and there's not a lot of turns and ups and downs, right? This is a real up and down roller coaster ride for DeAndre Hopkins. There's been games where he's been peppered Salt Bay style. And then there's other games where he sees like five targets. Last week against the Colts, he had five receptions on 12 targets for 75 yards and a score. Hopkins is a wide receiver three this week in my rankings, but I would think twice before aggressively forcing him into my lineups. Terry McLaurin got locked up. Orange is the new black style last week by the Dolphins. And the same thing can happen here to Mr. D-Hop. Nick Westbrook, E. Kyen. If I am kind of pretty nervous, to start DeAndre Hopkins. I certainly am nowhere close to starting Westbrook E. Kain or Traylon Burks. I'm glad Traylon Burks is back, though. That injury looked very serious that he suffered a couple weeks ago. Next up, we got the final game here, the final Monday Night Football game, because we got two going on at the exact same time. The Green Bay Packers at the New York Football Giants. Now, the Packers will not have Christian Watson, I believe. And that will lead to Jaden Reed being the, in my opinion, number one receiver on the team in terms of targets. He did shit the bed last week against the Chiefs, but prior to that, he had three straight games with a touchdown, and two out of those three games, he was a top 12 wide receiver. I expect him to hop back in the saddle like Morgan Freeman in Unforgiven, up against a soft Giants defense. Romeo Dobbs, to me, is not as good as Reed, but... Not by like a wide margin, and that doesn't mean that I want to shit all over Romeo Dobbs. I will have Dobbs ranked behind Reed, but I don't believe it will be by a huge margin, like a wide margin. Dobbs is a high-end wide receiver three with solid upside, assuming that the team integrates Dobbs in more without Watson, and also assuming that Dontavian Wicks, John Wicks' long-lost cousin, doesn't get way more targets. Now, Wicks has gotten four to five targets a week over the last five games. I think he should see a boost in production without Watson, but I don't think it will be enough for him to be a start. Now for the Giants, with the greatest Italian since Rocky Balboa, the greatest Italian athlete since Rocky Balboa starting at quarterback, there is some hope for the Giants wide receivers. Hyatt actually had over 100 receiving yards last game out against the Patriots prior to the bye. But ultimately, the Giants have a bunch of wide receivers that are all basically the same. And none of them stand out from one another. Now, if I had to say, Nick, who do you think the best receiver out of this group is? I think it would be Jalen Hyatt. But again, there is far from a guarantee that he's the number one receiver in terms of targets, yards, any of that this week. So Hyatt, Juan, Dale, Robinson, and Sterling Shepard are all sits. So thank you guys all so much for watching. If you did end up enjoying, make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. If you are new, whether you are new to the channel or not, please make sure you leave a like on today's video. It would help me out a ton. If you want to follow me on Twitter or X, please do so at NotoriousFNTSY. If you'd like access to my Patreon for the weekly rankings, as well as an answer to any of the questions you may have, check out the link in the video description for $7.50 a month. Check out pointed the wrong way. One of the videos on your screen right now if you haven't seen them already. I love you guys all so much. Back tomorrow with two videos. Have a great one and as always, good boy!